This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by Expense Reduction Analysts, delivering cost optimization solutions to help international businesses survive and thrive. For more information, visit expensereduction.com. Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, your one-stop shop when it comes to staying updated on franchising's biggest trends. I'm Kieran McLoon, editor for Global Franchise Magazine. There's really a lot of a lot of similarities between a lot of gyms out there, and this was a good opportunity post-COVID for us to to be a little different. And, and what a consumer would experience, it all starts when they when they come across the brand, whether it be in the messaging, the website, the socials. We're really trying to show like a clear, fun, inclusive environment, and then we want to offer this end-to-end member journey. The fitness industry has had a roller coaster 18 months, with many operations having to close their doors during the pandemic. But now that things are gradually returning to normal, the in-person workout experience is gaining traction more so than ever before. That being said, it's reported that 80% of North Americans still don't belong to a gym. Well, Snap Fitness, the premium fitness franchisor under the Lyft brand's banner, is looking to change that. Earlier this year, the brand announced a complete remodeling of its existing locations and something of an identity change. This included a new website, logo and pivot that put the focus on how people feel as opposed to their physical appearance. But has this rebrand panned out? To find out more, we caught up with two of Lyft Brand's heavy hitters, Andy Pete, Chief Product Officer, and Rose Menard, Chief Marketing Officer. Join us as we run down the past few months of Snap Fitness's evolution and what the brand could look like as we move into 2022. Well, um, it all started, I guess, with the, um, the sort of understanding and realization that um, our former kind of value proposition, which was uh, very industry leading when it was first launched, I guess, some 18 years ago now, uh, which was fast, convenient and affordable. Uh, it was a new proposition at the time, focusing very much on the kind of functional benefits of our brand. Um, but we, we came to the realization, obviously, that, that those attributes were no longer sufficient to really be competitive um, and had very much become kind of table stakes in the market today. Um, And when our new CEO, uh, Ty, stepped uh, into his role uh, about some 18 months ago now, he was formerly leading our APAC region, um, it became very clear to him that we didn't have a clear view of kind of who we were as a brand and what we stood for. Um, And when asking the question internally across our regions, um, you know, he got a slightly different answer to the question of of what we stood for. Um, So defining who we were as a brand and what our product and brand offering was going to be moving forward really became a priority for us. Um, And so the team created uh, a kind of global brand and product advisory committee. Um, consisting of uh, key franchisees from around the world, as well as master partners and our key uh, corporate stakeholders to really work collaboratively together on defining kind of what our roadmap uh, looked like moving forward. And I I started with the organization in December. And when I came on board at that time, the one piece that was missing into the whole puzzle was really uh, kind of consumer insights and market research. Um, to help us lead us down that pathway and identify what the opportunity was for us moving forward. So 
Uh, we took on a global agency uh, based out of London that specialized in consumer insights, market research and brand strategy and asked them to carry out extensive research uh, and insights analysis uh, across our core markets across the globe um, to really help us kind of define what that area of opportunity was for us moving forward. Um, and COVID, I will say, you know, COVID changed our industry landscape considerably. So the timing of the research, which we carried out in kind of January and February of this year, uh, was really perfect as it gave us a very clear understanding of those changes um, and a really strong view of what the outlook uh, was going to be for the industry moving forward as well. Um, and it's really the outcomes of all that research that helped us identify uh, the area of opportunity for us moving forward. One of those things being uh, the significant untapped audience out there uh, with very kind of underserved needs. And COVID really accentuated people's awareness around the importance of one's health and well-being with, um, you know, fitness being a really core driver of that. Um, but what the research also showed is that, you know, fitness in its traditional sense and um, how most brands go to market, for many people, that's really terrifying and intimidating. And so we're really adapting our approach to address that and that audience specifically. Yeah, no, that all sounds really great. And um, Andy, if we could dive a little deeper into the actual changes that Snap Fitness have undergone, um, what would you say are some of the biggest changes that consumers will experience when engaging with the brand compared to what they may have been used to in the years prior? Yeah, for sure. It's, you know, it's a great question and one that we uh, we definitely feel a lot since doing this brand repositioning, and ultimately. You know, you know, it's 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 a journey, right? Not not all clubs have have come on to the uh, the new branding at this time. They'll be doing that periodically over over the next few years. But the experience that we're trying to really get for cons- or give to consumers versus what it used to be is 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 quite a significant change to what Rose just mentioned around the reasons for it. The the, the experience that it used to be, to be completely honest, was very much a, a plug and play model. We put some we put some equipment in a in a building on a, in a good location and put a twenty four hour access system in it and you know it was great low labor costs way you go and, and it worked extremely well and uh, we were able to scale ex- uh, extremely fast similar to some of our competitors and um, what what we found as Rose just pointed out that you know there's there's really a lot of a lot of similarities between a lot of gyms out there and this was a good opportunity post COVID for us to to be a little different and, and what a consumer would experience within Snap now and the new Snap Fitness versus the experience that I just described is is very much. It all starts when they when they come across the brand, whether it be in the messaging, the website, the socials. We're really trying to show like a clear, fun, inclusive environment, so um, enough to make them feel comfortable to uh, submit their details to find out more information. Where once they do that, they'll they'll get a very transparent and um, supportive sort of sales process. To, to be to be exact, which is uh, no no fine print or anything like that. It's all very simple. It's very, as I said, transparent. And then we want to offer this end-to-end member journey, which is all about onboarding the member uh, into our club, having a very clear focus on their first 28 days with, with cohesion across both uh, human and digital support. 
Um, and then once they're once they've onboarded within the brand, um, ensuring that everything that they touch from the minute they walk into the gym is positive, whether it be positive affirmations they see on the wall for our new design, through to the messaging that we're giving them through our app, through to what the 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 coaches and the manager is telling them, uh, to to give them a great entrance, um, hopefully shifting their mood. We have the ability to change their day in the in, in the fitness industry, and and we want to do that through our welcome entrance. We've developed a a customized scent to ensure that uh, the minute someone walks through the door, their their the aroma that they're smelling is one that is is of comfort and positivity, um, all the way through to their their final sort of three to five minutes in the club where they are going through more of a recovery based exercise pattern and guidance, so that when they leave, they're actually feeling um, you know a lot better than what they would be if they were just stiff and sore from a hard workout. So. Really, really defining the end-to-end journey has been extremely important for us. And um, from from the minute they walk in to the minute they leave, everything about it is positive and supportive and inclusive. Um, and then on top of that, once they're outside of the gym, providing value to them in their everyday life, whether it be through our app and the gamification that we're doing and the rewarding around, uh, you know, all, all movement. So we one of our ethos is at Snap is, you know, all fitness is valid fitness. And um, we want to ensure that, you know, our members know that, um, you know, it's okay if they don't come to the gym. We, we've got their backs at their home through, you know, a, a 1,200 on-demand uh, workout library all the way through to if they just walk a little bit further to get to the grocery store than what they used to um, in order to to win one of our awards. You know, all, all that counts towards living a healthier lifestyle. And um, that combined with some of our merchandising that is, you know, high-quality stuff that lives with lives within in their everyday life is is some of the differences so we've gone from this plug and play uh set kind of a set and forget model to uh you know we're we're here to show value in your everyday life yeah no that all sounds very positive and it's fascinating that you know you've you've built it right down to as you mentioned the the scent of the clubs you know it kind of shows that there's a real attention to detail there that you may not find in other um organizations and uh and rose for the the locations of snap fitness sites that have already undergone something of a transformation um what has the reception been to that rebrand both on the the consumer side of things but also with your franchisees what do they think of all the new um upgrades and evolutions well, like Andy mentioned, it's it's early days still. Um, sure. This is going to take a number of years to get you know our sites rebranded. But uh, we do have a few sites in Australia and New Zealand that have rebranded already. Uh, mm-hmm. And we had a new opening in the UK a few weeks ago as well, which have all been really well received, right? The, the rebrands also coincide typically with a modernization. Uh, right. So of the interiors and the equipment. And so it's a whole kind of overall enhanced experience as well as a change in the look and feel. Um, and I was actually over in the UK a couple of weeks ago in, in uh, the new gym uh, over there and spoke directly with a number of members. And the feedback was really extremely positive. So so that's great. Um, for our existing franchisees as well, you know, the long-awaited new direction for our brand and really clear articulation of who we are and who we're going after um, has been really well received and, and recognized by uh, many as a, as a really fantastic opportunity for us. Uh, so that's great. Um, but I will say, you know, like any big change, uh, it takes some time to get used to, right? Uh, mm. uh, especially when you change logo, you change your whole kind of visual identity. Um, and so it's it, it, 
yeah, there are some that uh, still need to kind of get on board with that, but the vast majority uh, are extremely enthusiastic, uh, which is fantastic. Yeah, it's good to hear that all that hard work and development and research is is paying off already. And as you say, will hopefully pay off in the years to come as you overhaul the entire portfolio. Um, Andy, as well as updating the interiors of the existing locations and kind of the different um, mentality changes, I suppose, that you've just covered, um, is, Ch- is Snap Fitness changing with regards to the investment opportunities that are available to franchisees, both in terms of, for example, the, the sizes or the types of centers that they can invest in? Yeah, it's a... A good question. It's, it's a somewhat hard one, um, but the answer is yes, yes and no. Yes, being that the 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 model that we're looking to open going forward is is different to what it was previously. No, in the sense right. that the investment opportunity is still invest in a gym that, that gets members and those sort of commercial aspects are are all the same. However, we, what we've found is. Um, the the play going forward is larger clubs, so that sort of seven to eight thousand square feet um, works well, particularly overseas. And really, the biggest change for us is bringing bringing what's working extremely well for us in the UK and Australia and New Zealand, who who have somewhat bigger clubs. They're a bit more modern. Some of them have group group fitness studios. They they have larger sort of functional training areas, a lot more rigging systems. Bringing that over to the states, where the states are traditionally, um, you know, two to three thousand square feet, they're a lot smaller. So the investment opportunity is 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 really that we are, are going bigger in our footprint, um, particularly here in North America, and we have a lot more sort of programming aspects that come with the member support, which require sort of appropriate staffing measurements to be put in place. Previously. Previously, the model ran on very little staff, um, which worked well for the time, but we don't believe that that, that does anymore. So we do require franchisees right. to, to staff their clubs and and um, to be able to facilitate the, the member support and programming. Now, in saying that, that all means that the investments is, is not the same as what it used to be. It's a little bit more expensive. I think the world we live in today, everything is certainly more expensive. So that's not really a shock. But you just you simply get more members. That's what our data shows. And you know, more members is a greater return. And and we, we don't want franchisees to um to to be able to grow something and, and it not work in five years' time. We want it to work in 10, 15, 20, 30 years' time. We want it to be generational for them. And uh, we believe that a bigger footprint gives us that uh, opportunity to do that and, and to de-risk it a little bit. And we also have some exciting um, innovations coming out that are potential investment opportunities for franchisees with cross branding, we own multiple brands and in, in lift brands. We have a um, we have a, a trial happening in APEC in Q1 next year, uh, where we have a, a nine round within a Snap Fitness, and you know that boutique and traditional fitness together under one roof, uh, which we've dabbled with uh, over the over the years. And um, you know this trial is going to really be interesting because we think that that segments you know two different it brings together two different markets and. Uh, in one location in one area and offers the franchisee um, potentially greater yields so yeah no, that, that's one of our really exciting things for next year and uh, interested to see how it goes so maybe we could do this again this time next year and I can tell you <laughs> tell you what the outcome is if it was good otherwise I won't tell you <laughs> Don't forget that there are just two months left to enter the Global Franchise Awards 2022, with entries closing on January 20th, 2022. To make sure that your brand is in with the chance of taking home a coveted Global Franchise Awards trophy, submit your entry form today. 
For more information and to enter now, head to globalfranchise.com forward slash awards. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. It sounds like you guys are, you know, really future-proofing the brand, which I'm sure a lot of the franchisees that are coming up at the moment um, will be really happy to hear. And I'm glad that, um, you know, both of you have spoken a lot about the kind of international presence of Snap Fitness, because when this rebrand was sort of um, announced, and I think uh, you specifically, Rose, it was part of the, uh, when you wrote in Global Franchise about kind of the, the impetus for it, it was talking about how, you know, it's the 80% of North Americans who don't belong to a gym. And yet, of course, as we know, Snap Fitness has this very worldwide portfolio um would you say that the the rebrand was primarily driven by that um you know kind of the rationale and the statistics you were getting from the states or was this always kind of a, a globally um involved process it, it was definitely always a, a globally involved process um we did our research on a, on a global scale across our core markets um so not just in the u.s um, and when we look at that 80%, you know, of North Americans, you know, the, the rebrand is very much designed to appeal to just a much broader audience than we previously right. were targeting. Uh, so not alienating that 20% by any means, right? That's still a uh, core as well, but just opening it up and being more inclusive uh, towards that, that 80%. Um, but that's, you know, very much the same across markets. If we look at, you know, the penetration rates of adults that are members of a gym, um, that, that percentage, that 20% is actually the highest in the US compared to other markets. So the opportunity internationally is even greater, right? So the UK and Australia, just as examples, the penetration rates sit around 15%. Um, and it's even lower in some other of our kind of slightly more emerging markets. Um, so it's it's almost more even more relevant internationally to, to take this approach. Um, and what we saw in the research that, that was really kind of highlighted as well is that the just general consumer sentiment and what people want out of their gym experience is really consistent across the globe. There aren't that many differences in terms of what people want and what they want to get out of uh, you know, their experience from one market. If you look at Australia or even um, you know, the US, Canada, it is very consistent. So um, it's really allowed us to take a very um, unique and kind of one direction across the board, um, albeit with you know, minor regional nuances. So. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it, it was great for us to see that there weren't those variances because when you kind of reposition a brand, uh, mm. you want to be able to be consistent if you can. Um, but it was just uh, naturally the right thing to do. So that was good. Yeah, definitely. And um, and Andy, if we could talk again about kind of the, uh, the franchising side of things as well as, um, you know, the importance of the consumer changes. Um, are you going to be looking for different sort of franchise partners moving forward or is that going to remain consistent as with the, you know, the kind of offering available? We've, we really have this notion of our franchisees that we bring on board now are, uh, they have to be they have to be what we call connected and there's really that can they can right. pan out into two directions um we we love owner operators we love someone who owns one or two gyms they're there maybe it's a husband and wife you know duo they're, they're in the gym every day they know the members the members know them it's clean they're doing the basics extremely well they are they are great for us um but we also we also like franchisees who who you know they have jobs they have something else that they do um, this is an investment for them. Perhaps it's their retirement, uh, and, and they they hire staff to 
to to run the clubs. However, the difference with those investors, what we call investors, is they are still connected to us. They are committing 15, 20 hours a week. They're, they're going into the club after work to, to, to work out themselves and just to make sure everything's okay. They're checking the numbers. They're attending the trainings. What we don't really look for anymore is is these silent you know, investors who who call themselves passive. There's really nothing passive anymore <laughs> in making money. There's always effort required in something. And um, I think the the rise of you know 24 hour franchises 10 years ago, the term passive investor became very common um, because, like I said, you would you would open up a gym in a in a good location and and you would be successful with very minimal effort. I, I experienced it myself as a as a franchisee and. Uh, but those times are over and uh, what we're doing now versus what we used to do is we're actually saying no to people who are willing to write us a check, but they, they just they just don't fit the profile of a connected owner. And, um, you know, we, like I said before, we're not we're not here for for short term success. And we want, you know, we we want franchisees who are who are in it for the long run and and um, they're here to be successful. And that means they have to be connected to their club and connected to us. Um, because you know we we feel like we have a good idea about how to how to run a successful club. We've been doing it for a long time. There's a lot of knowledge in this office, and franchisees just need to trust that. And and the only way that they can run the players is to be connected. It's as simple as that. So that that's kind of the word we use. We have a we have an ethos in our business called one team that we're all sort of in it together, and um, and that really means that what we require from franchisees is just to just to pick up the phone, to listen to us, to talk to their account manager. We offer so much support to them. Uh, and, you know, you're silly not to take advantage of it. And some people don't take advantage of it because they're sort of still in that passive passive mindset from 15 years ago. And, and those are the ones that will end up, you know, transferring out of the system and will bring in new life. And that's what keeps this thing going. So we still do like, you know, those multi, multi-unit franchisees as well that are buying... Uh, and opening, you know, 10, 15 stores. But again, they have to t- they have to typically have their own infrastructure, which a lot of them do now, and, and they're proving to be successful, particularly over in the UK and, and Australia. So we'll look to replicate that here in America. Yeah, no, that's refreshing to hear as you say that you, you know, do say no to certain investors because I suppose that's how you manage to retain that one team mentality. If you, you know you are more selective with the kind of partners that you bring on as opposed to just signing up as many markets as you can and letting it just sort itself out. Um, the the final question I've got for both of you is just uh, looking ahead. Obviously, we're coming towards the end of the year now. Um, what do each of you think is going to be one of the the main trends uh, in the fitness industry next year? And I suppose off the back of that, how do you think Snap Fitness is optimized to meet that um, with consumers and franchisees alike? Uh, Rose, if we begin with you on that one. Sure. Well, I think, uh, like I mentioned, the, the timing of our research was 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 really helpful for us because it gave us that kind of outlook a little bit. Like I mentioned, you know, COVID changed a lot of things for our industry. uh, And one of them being notably the sort of digital um, and online kind of fitness experience um, with a lot of new players out there and people accessing fitness from their homes, uh, you know, much more for the first time. And so I do think it's a trend that's going to continue. That's not going to go away. Um, And so really kind of looking at sort of hybrid solutions 
um, for members that you know want to come to the gym, but then also want to occasionally work out at home. And so, I think that that's that's going to be a big one. Um, and uh, Andy can speak more to to how we're going to solution for that. Um, because we are launching um, new kind of Snap app, uh, and he mentioned already, you know, with uh, 1,200 uh, kind of home workouts and um, a lot of other features in there. So I think the the digital side of things is is going to be one that's here to stay. Um, I, I'll just add one more to that. Probably is, um, and again, it was heightened with COVID that connection between one's mental well being and and fitness. Uh, and staying active and so taking a sort of much more holistic approach um, for the consumer and helping them kind of in that whole space. It's a very complex uh, there's an environment, there's a lot of uh, providers out there in terms of uh, guidance for nutrition and mental well-being and uh, it can be complicated. And so I think consumers have an expectation now more and more so that, uh, you know, fitness brands help them with that space. Um, and that's another thing that we're, we're very much offering with the Snap app um, is all of that nutritional guidance and, and mental guidance as well. Yeah, definitely. And Andy, have you got any further predictions for next year? No, yeah, I think, I think Rose was spot on. Um, my, my predictions for next year, typically around, I think the, there will be continued rise of, of more sort of strength training, particularly with females, which I think is amazing. I think it's one of the biggest um, shifts in the fitness industry that no one talks about. Either they just don't realize it or, or they don't talk about it. But, you know, 10, 10 or even eight years ago, we used to we used to have a, a, a large amount of treadmills and very little, say, say squat racks, for example, um, because it was really just males that were in the squat racks. And nowadays, we our treadmill numbers have somewhat halved, but our squat racks have quadrupled and it's really because you know the, the girls are getting in there and, and they're they're focusing on getting stronger and and they think that that's healthier and and which it is so then just being like stick thin and and i think that that's that will continue to rise i think that um the rise of like general well-being as ron said more of this holistic uh viewpoint feeling better versus just focusing on weight loss um will continue to rise and and it really that really comes into you know nutrition, the mental health side of things, the fitness, and also the community engagement. I think people need to connect to each other, and um, you know that part of it might go one of two ways. Just because we're sort of starting to live in more of a digital world now, but I do think that that's part of mental health. Um, I think that personalization around experience will be will be a big part over the next few years. And so you know what I what I experience versus what say Rose might experience could be completely different. We see that we see um, other industries like the hotel industry and um, you know, e-commerce, you know, online retail, they're very, very good at uh, the streaming services, very good at prescribing, you know, content and things that are based on what you like and what your history shows. So fitness will end up adopting that. And then from an actual physical training standpoint, I think you'll start to see more sort of fusion, of classes and fusion of studios so i don't think there'll be too many more of these these hit hit studio franchises that have been popping up right. everywhere I, I think you'll start to see ones that are like hit with pilates or or pilates with with cycle or you know i think these fusion you start to see it in restaurants actually you know asian fusion and so it's a multiple multiple ethnicities under the one sort of restaurant i think you'll start to see that with fitness so those would be my predictions. Um, 
And I think that the the clubs that and the chains that really just ensure that they are providing a great experience, which often comes down to just the basics, like keeping a clean clean club, playing music, saying hello, goodbye, um, having just a really positive atmosphere. Sometimes that's all you need versus all the tech and because, you know, People just like to come into an environment that is that is welcoming and friendly, and maybe they get to know and develop a friendship with the manager, and that's why they come in because that's that human aspect to it. So I think we lost that a little bit in our in our growth over the last ten years, and I think that that will make a comeback. So. Yeah, no, it certainly sounds like, you know, you guys are doing a lot to make Snap Fitness this much more, as Rose mentioned, kind of holistically welcoming and positive place, which is great to hear. And uh, I imagine that will continue as you roll out more locations. So um, thanks very much again, Rose and Andy, for joining us today and uh, looking forward to seeing what's next from you guys in 2022. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Cheers. It was great to hear that Snap Fitness's remodeling was based on a lot of self-reflection, with the brand's executive team recognising that its existing brand value proposition simply wasn't suited to today's fitness consumers. It takes a lot to step back and work out where an organisation could be going wrong, but doing so can lead to truly amazing things. Understandably, there's still a long time before every Snap Fitness location worldwide is updated to align with the new positioning, but that's what happens when you have such an expansive international portfolio. Regardless, it sounds like the reception so far has been positive, and this is likely set to continue as the franchise will remain selective about new franchisees it brings on board. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. Has your brand undergone something of a redesign in recent years? And how has this been received by your customers and franchisees? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, Subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.